um, Leviticus 1. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any of you... When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If the offering is, burnt, is a burnt offering from the Lord, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Verse 6. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put on fire the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasant aroma to the Lord. If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from the sheep or goats, he shall bring a male without blemish. And he shall kill it on the, on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar. And he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat. And the priest shall arrange them on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But the entrails and the legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall offer all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his offering to the Lord is, is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. And the priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out on the side of the altar. He shall remove its crop with its contents and cast it beside the altar on the east side in, place, in the place for ashes. In verse 17, he shall tear it open by its wings, but shall not sever it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you, Richie, for reading that for us. Thank you, worship team and Richie, for leading us this morning. I want to welcome everybody this morning. Um, if you are a guest with us, I welcome you uh, here in person, or if you're visiting us online today for the first time. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors, and I'm so thankful that you are with us here this morning as well. And if you are a guest with us in person, I want to encourage you uh, in the of you or maybe close by near you, uh, you'll see a little contact card. If you would, fill that out if you would. And uh, on the way out this morning, you'll see our ushers at the door. You can drop that there. It's just a way for us to reach out to you, say thank you for letting us, thank you for joining us this morning and letting us just reach out to you to see how we can be a blessing to you. And for those of you that are joining us online, go at homesavenue.com forward slash contact. But I'm excited for this morning. Uh, last week, we began our journey through the book of Leviticus. Holy God, Holy People is this series that we have started. And before we go any further, for those that are here present with us, uh, does anybody that came in that would like to have one, did anybody not get one of the journals for Leviticus? If you did not, raise your hand. All right. Mr. Jerry in the back, Thomas. Richie, too. Thank you. Um, just as you guys know, for those, uh, the sermon series, as we, as we always do, um, we, we provide those here. And if anybody feels led and you want to give any kind of a donation towards that, just so we can continue to do 
uh, you can please feel free to do that, three to five dollars, but only if you feel led to do so. We love being able to provide these to you to help with our sermon series. As you know, we love to preach through the books of the Bible. Um, now, moving forward, uh, we're journeying through the book of Leviticus, as I said, and uh, we're at this point today coming off of Pastor Walter's message last Sunday, did a phenomenal job, preached one verse for us, and it was great, Genesis, uh, Leviticus 1.1, and, and going through that and kind of laying the foundation for us of where we're heading in this series, and holy God, holy people, I mean, it, it speaks for itself, our God is holy, and he has called his people to be holy, and what does that look like for us? And if you're new to church or you're maybe new to the book of Leviticus, you may hear what was read this morning and they're like, there's a lot of sacrificing going on. What is all of this about? And just buckle up and, and pay attention this morning as uh, you'll, you'll see where God is taking us for us today, how this can apply to his church. I've entitled the message today, uh, Devoted Sacrificial Living, Devoted Sacrificial Living. And from the start of the book, God is giving these directions via Moses uh, to the people of Israel of how they are to practice these sacrifices here at the beginning, these offerings. And for many of us, we may read it, as I said, and, and be perplexed and wonder, well, why is this? Why is God telling him to sacrifice these things? And do we do animal sacrifices today? And for those of us that, that know as, as followers of Christ, no, we don't. But God asks of us to live holy lives for him, for his glory, holy God, holy people. So Leviticus opens up here with these laws for these two, these different specific types of offerings. And in doing so, there's a need for these offerings to take place. And those offerings that are here, and you're going to hear more about these in the coming weeks. Today, we're looking specifically at the burnt offering. But in seeing these, there's the burnt offering, there's the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin and the guilt offering. And why is it that God would have these offerings listed? Why is there a need for a sacrificial system to be in place? Well, this system is God's way of having the people, His people, meet with Him. And of the offerings mentioned, the, the burnt and the grain and the peace offering, they're, they're voluntary, whereas the sin and the guilt are, are not. And, and you're going to hear about that more in the coming weeks. But today, as I said, we're looking at this burnt offering. And the burnt offering was the costliest of the offerings because the entire offering that was being placed there on the altar minus the skin was consumed there on the altar because it's this individual offering that is being offered unto God. And the burnt offering specifically is offered on occasions of, of thanksgiving or, or penance, vows, the, the self-dedication to God. And it was given twice daily. It was given in the morning, it was given in the evening, and then on the Sabbath it was doubled. And so it was, a, it was a very important thing that is being done before God. And God lays out all of these rules for the ritual of which it's being done. And, and it's very specific that it's followed precisely as God says. And we'll see why in a moment why that is the case. But one of the biblical scholars that, that I've studied under, and, and Walter, you can correct me if you're wrong, did, did you take Alan Mosley? No, okay. Uh, at Southeastern Seminary, where, where I've done my study and where Walter and I are now, uh, Dr. Alan Mosley is uh, one of the Old Testament professors, and I took him under, that, uh, under his teaching. And he says in his commentary on the book of Leviticus, this burnt offering is the presentation to the Lord by worshipers reflects their willing spirit to acknowledge the lordship of their God. I'll read that again. 
The presentation to the Lord by worshipers reflects their willing spirit to acknowledge the lordship of their God. You see, those who would give of the burnt offering were doing so out of this devotion to God. It is a sacrifice of themselves to show God just how much they were devoted to Him and wanted to serve Him faithfully. That alone can preach to us, can it not, church? This idea and this concept of of wanting to devote ourselves to God, trust Him at who He is, live our lives in obedience, pursuing holy lives to Him. And so, very quickly, I I do not want to repeat anything that Walter said, just looking there with the context. Verse 1, the Lord God called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meetings, saying... And when we see, as, as Pastor Walter laid out for us, this beautiful, beautiful presentation of God speaking. God speaking there to Moses. And Dr. Mosley, who I quoted a moment ago, he says this as well, and I just thought this was so good. God's calling to Moses for the people was a call for complete devotion and submission to the Lord, who accepted nothing less from those who loved him. And the same is true for us. God calls his people to live in complete submission, devoted lives to Him. Now, for those of you that have been at Holmes Avenue, that know me, that know Walter, we we usually give you several different points and all of that. And today, I'm giving you one point. One point. You're still going to be here for a while. But you're getting one point, all right? So with that said, the first point is, the first and only point is this. God requires devoted, sacrificial living from His people. God requires devoted, sacrificial living from His people. Look with me at verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring an offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. God tells Moses as his mediator to the people to speak to the people of Israel with directions of how they are to handle this burnt offering. God directs that the offering that is being presented must be of the livestock from the herd or the flock. You see, the herd, as I said, it was a costly offering. It was the most valuable there of the sacrificed animals. And something so beautiful there that's from the Hebrew text, when it says to bring, right there in verse 2 where it says, speak to the people of Israel, them, when any of you brings an offering to the Lord, that term there, bring, it comes from the translation of draw near. So when any of you draw near with an offering to the Lord, you shall bring this offering of livestock from the herd or the flock. Again, we see that picture of this devotion to God and drawing near to him. And for any of us who are in Christ, we know when we have our relationship with the Lord in the times of good and the times that are bad, any of those times we come before the Lord and we want to draw near to Him. We want to live devoted lives to Him. Prayerfully, I hope that's our heart's cry. We want to be devoted unto Him. We want to draw near to Him and seek Him in His Word and spend time with Him, our Abba Father. Verse 3 says, If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. You see, this burnt offering, it's this male without blemish. Why? Why is that? Well, there could be no physical defects. We know from when we study later on in Leviticus, we'll get to Leviticus 22, but in there God talks about the necessity of that. It would lessen the value of the offering. And God would not therefore accept it. It had to be without blemish. 
Now you're hearing that, and I'm hoping and praying if you're in Christ especially, you're hearing those things and you're starting to say, wait a second, something's sounding familiar. I'm, I'm hearing these phrases and things like that. It sounds a little bit familiar. And for any of us who know, especially if you were here recently when we went through 1 Peter, listen to 1 Peter 1, 17-19. There has to be a perfect, spotless sacrifice. If you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You see, what we're seeing in God's laying out here in Leviticus of what needs to be done, even when we read the verse about this male without blemish or spot, it's a foreshadow pointing to who? Jesus. It's pointing to Christ. Christ Jesus would go to Calvary's cross and die in the place of all mankind for and he was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Praise God for that. Verse 4 tells us here in Leviticus 1, He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. We see that word, that phrasing there, make atonement. Here's something that we may again recognize. God is telling the people via Moses of the necessity of shed blood for sins. You know, as we were reading, as, re, as, as excuse me, Richie was reading that a minute ago, you, you were hearing continually, and you'll see it here as we go verse by verse, you're seeing here of, of blood being shed. Blood being shed here on the altar. You see, this shed blood on the altar, it makes atonement for those who are bringing the sin Offering, I mean, the, the, blood, the burnt offering because of what they're sacrificing. We must remember, church, that sin calls for God's wrath and there needs to be an, a ransoming there of the offender because of that sin. It's appeasing to the Lord when something of that nature takes place. So in this instance here, by doing this, the sacrificed animal dies, what? In the place of the offender. So the person is bringing it here. We see there on verse 4. But it indicates specifically that the hand must be held on the animal. Like, wait a minute. So you're putting this there on the altar, and the hand of the offender, the one that has offended God, the hand has to be there. Why is that? Why is that hand being placed there? Well, it's there to demonstrate that the animal being sacrificed, it's to represent the person by which is presenting the offering. So if I'm there and I, and I were to put my hand there, or you were to put your hand there, and you're doing this before God, if we were there at that time, it's to represent this is my sin that is being made atoned for. Keep that in mind as we continue. Sin must be removed. Sin must be removed. And the burnt offering, sin offering, guilt offering, they all, in this instance, atonement is being made for the sin that is being offered to God. Now, look at verses 5 through 9. I'm going to read them all together for a minute, and then I'll, I'll talk about them instantly, individually. When he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons the priest shall bring the blood, and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Verse 6. 
Lay the burnt offerings and cut it into pieces, and the sons of Aaron the priests shall put fire on the altar and arrange the wood. In verse 8, I'm going to stop at 8. And Aaron's sons the priests shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. We see here the specific way in which this is needing to be done. Now there's a couple of things I want to point out still talking about the concept of sin as we're seeing how all of this is playing out and how they are to do this. You see, why was this death of this animal needed? Because of the sin, yes, but why? There's two things. The first reality is that sin leads to death. Sin leads to death. Our sin has separated us from God. Everything in the beginning of creation, when God created everything, it was perfect. It was sinless. And then we know from Genesis 3 what happens. Sin enters the world because of disobedience against God by Adam and Eve. And because of that, sin leads to death. There has to be atonement made for sins. And this imagery here of the sacrificial system is that it points to sin dying. There has to be atonement made. All of us, as I said, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that there is a sacrifice that has been given for us. And that is in the person and finished work of Jesus. More on that in a moment. The second thing is this. God is perfect and holy. God is perfect and holy. And because of that reality, no sin is allowed in his presence. No sin is allowed in His presence. It is because of this that we need to have atonement for sin. It is because of that that there had to be atonement here in this ritual for sin. The shed blood of the one animal being sacrificed. See, it mentions here Aaron's sons, the priests, and what they are to do there. And you see, Aaron's sons, who are the priests, they are to arrange the, the, this sacrifice and to present it to the Lord. And there's a divine work being done there. It's to represent that. You see, this work of atonement, it is taking place in this moment while this offering is is being laid out. And I've said that word atonement a few times. And obviously, holy God, holy people, this holiness, it's a major theme of the book of Leviticus. But also this idea of atonement is a big theme in there too. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, all together, Leviticus says the term atonement 53 times. The most of anywhere in the Bible. Now, what does this idea of atonement mean? Well, it's the reconciling between two parties that become one with each other. The the need for atonement is necessary because of the effect of the fall of man, as I've already mentioned from Genesis 3, and because God cannot coexist with sin, as I've already said. You see, man has disobeyed God, therefore atonement for sin must take place. These sacrifices here, they're a way of atoning for sin in the Old Testament. And we know, because of the New Testament, we know that Christ Jesus is the ultimate sign of atonement for us, for our sin, because of what he did, taking our place on the cross, taking God's wrath in our place, what I deserved, what you deserved. Christ Jesus took the place for us. Praise God for that. Verse 9 says, But his entrails and his legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Pleasing aroma. 
You see, the whole of the animal being consumed, it's not just there as a random fact. Here is a beautiful example of foreshadowing again of Christ in the Old Testament. This offering, this whole sacrifice to God points to the eventual divine day of Christ Jesus and His redemptive plan, God's redemptive plan, coming to completion through Christ's work. Christ will give of His whole self as a sacrifice in our place. But it says there at the end of verse 9, a pleasing aroma. A pleasing aroma to the Lord. And that's an indicator to us of God's acceptance for the offering. You see, they, they laid it out, and God laid it all out for them. This is what is needed. And you must follow this to a T. And if it was followed to a T, it, it would bring about a pleasing aroma to God. Christ Jesus and His death on the cross, it took our place. And it brought this fragrant offering, this pleasing aroma to God. What's interesting to note about all of this too, as said, bring it up. In the Hebrew, the root word, it, it means to ascend. And so as this entire offering, this burnt offering is being consumed there on the altar, it brings it all up and it goes up to heaven. It goes up to God, thus ascending to Him to bring about this pleasing aroma. Now that term, the phrase, pleasing aroma, if we're looking in the New Testament, Paul writes, and Paul the Apostle says about a fragrant offering. I mentioned that word a moment ago. Fragrant offering. If you remember, I know it was a year ago, but we went through Philippians. And in Philippians, Paul says this in 4.18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and a pleasing to God. You see, when Paul's writing there to the Philippians, he's describing of how he is well supplied by the gifts that the Philippians have left him with. He is so grateful and thankful. These gifts that they have given, that they have sacrificed of their own means to provide for Paul, it is a pleasing aroma to God, a fragrant offering, as Paul says. And since us, for us as church, the Christ followers today, because of Jesus' finished work on the cross at Calvary, we're not to do animal sacrifices today. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He was the sacrifice in our place. But God does ask us something very important for us today, church. God asks for us to live our lives and presenting a fragrant offering to Him by our pursuit of holiness and our obedience to Him. One of the things that the Apostle Paul writes, and I just think it's so incredibly beautiful and very impactful and must be something that we cling to daily, is found in Romans 12, 1-2. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, God calls us, His church, His people, He calls us sacrifice us to present our bodies as living sacrifices what does this mean 
If you are in Christ, you have the promise of eternal life with Christ Jesus our Lord because of His defeat of sin and death on the cross and the resurrection from the grave. Amen? We are so thankful we have that promise. If you are in Christ, that is what God has done for you. And you know that. The Holy Spirit indwells you. And so because of that, no, we don't present this sacrifice on an altar that we have to follow the ritual to lay it all out so it brings up this pleasing aroma. We don't have to do that because Jesus has supplied that. He has made atonement for sins. However, although we are saved, church, I think we can all agree we all still sin, do we not? We all do still sin. Every single day we have to do as Jesus told his followers, if any of you are to come after me, you must deny yourselves, take up your cross daily, and follow me. It must be a self-denial. It must be you're in control. You are reigning and supreme, and I submit to you in a holy obedience, following after you, Lord, because of what you have done in my place. And so because of that, I am called by God. God, what? Requires devoted sacrificial living. And so if I am a Christ follower, I am living my life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is my spiritual worship. And I know that that is hard because of sin. But there must be daily, daily repenting. Lord, you have saved my soul. I am saved for all eternity, and I praise God for that. But I have sinned. It's like we see in the model prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Consistently coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, I've messed up, but thank you for saving me. Thank you, me. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. I want to live a life that is pleasing to you. I want to live a life of obedience to you. I want to present my body as a living sacrifice. That phrasing there is totally different than, than what is being seen here in Leviticus. It was an animal that was being killed. Jesus took that place. But our bodies, every day, we are living, we are breathing, we have breath in our lungs, but we have the Holy Spirit that indwells us, and so we must live a living, sacrificed life. That means doing things that don't necessarily make us feel comfortable, but if God says do it, we do it. That means as, as we are Christ followers and we have the Great Commission before us, it tells us to go even if we're fearful of not being able to say what to say or, or know what to say or, or how to do it or anything like that, we still be obedient. We take that step of faith and know that He is with us always. And we know that He will provide the words for us to speak. That means that we take our Bibles and we don't just take them Sunday to Sunday or we take our journal and just hold it down, but we go and review it and we study the Word of God and we say, Lord, I need to spend time with You. I need to devote my life to You. I want to open Your Scriptures daily. Man, if the Lord gives you the opportunity to open it multiple times a day, Lord, I want to spend time in prayer to you because you saved my soul. I was on a fast track to hell and you intervened. And I thank you for that. I want to present my body as a living sacrifice to you. And I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to be transformed by the renewal of my mind. Because as I'm engaging your word, as I'm learning from you, as you're speaking to me through the power of the Holy Spirit, as I read your word, I want to be transformed. 
I want to grow. I want to be able to come alongside other believers and disciple them and teach them the things that you're teaching me and show them how to study your word. I want to be transformed, Lord. And in this year, this proper presentation, remember that, right there at the end of verse 9 in Leviticus. It's proper presentation following exactly as the Lord said. It brought about a pleasing aroma to God. Imagine that, church. If we're living our lives, pursuing holiness, being obedient, it brings about this fragrant offering to God, which is pleasing to Him. We follow Him, we obey Him. Now verse 10 tells us, it goes into uh, 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 switching out to a, a different example here, but it all follows the same way. That's why it's one point. If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from the sheep or goats, he shall bring one male or a male without blemish. From the flock, it means sheep or goat. And without blemish, again, it points to the same thing like we saw there a few moments ago. It's very similar to the procedure that's being done here. In 3 through 9, it's the same thing we see here in 10 through 13. But the sheep or goats, it, it transitions to that. The sheep or the goats, it's this most common offering that is brought by the people. Because it was the most common thing that they had. If you remember, uh, goodness, it's been two years now. During the summer, a couple years ago, we went through the book of Nehemiah. And there, after they've, they've built the wall, it, it indicates there that the sheep gate into the wall. In chapter 3, you can jot that down, you can go back and look. But it's the sheep gate, it's the place where they would bring it through. Right there in the, in the city wall of Jerusalem. They would follow through, they would walk it through there for this purpose. But it's this common animal that is being brought. Verse 11 says, And he shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And Aaron's sons of priests shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar. Again, blood being shed for the atonement of sins. But the entrails and the legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall offer all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Now there, as you, were, as you read through that, when we get to verse 13, it's, you notice that the entails, the, the, those are the only things that are really being washed here that's being mentioned, and it's because of, of bodily fluid of the animal. So it's washing it out so that is being done away with. We saw that a little bit earlier in the first. We see it here in this one as well. But again, following the way in which God has laid it out, if they do it in that way, the hand being on the animal again there is assumed, although it's not said. It's all to represent the person bringing it, and it brings about a pleasing aroma to God. Again, for us today, if we are living our lives in obedience to God, not following a bunch of rules, but walking in daily obedience and submission to him, however he wants, whatever he wants, I'm in, I will do. All of that, it brings this fragrant offering, this pleasing aroma to God. And then 14, it switches to one last mention of a different animal. If his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. So this last section here about this is about the fowls or the birds, and it has to be a turtle dove or a pigeon. And the Lord allowed this because there were those in Israel who could not afford this prime animal like we've seen in these first two uh, mentions of the offering. 
And so he would allow there for a bird to be presented. There again, God's still making a way for anybody to come forward to offer the sacrifice to him. Now, this one did not necessarily have to be a male or without blemish because it's the bird being brought forward. But God makes it very clear of what they are to do, 15 and 16. And the priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out of the side of the altar. Again, bloodshed to make atonement for sin. He shall remove its crop with its contents and cast it beside the altar on the east side in the place for ashes. And he shall tear open by its wings, but shall not sever it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Again, following the way in which God has laid it out, doing so, brings about a pleasing aroma to God. You seeing what we're seeing here? Over and over again. For us today as Christ followers, if we are to live our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, pursuing holiness, fleeing from sin, complete disregard of it and fleeing from it, walking in obedience to God, repenting of those things consistently, It brings about this fragrant offering, this pleasing aroma to God. Now, I want to close with one passage of Scripture to kind of bring all of this to a head. And and you're going to hear it's going to sound very similar to something I've already referenced a moment ago, but it's from a different book in the Bible. But it's the same thing because it talks about what Christ Jesus has done for us. But listen to this. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. Hebrews 10, 1 through 10. For since the law has but a shadow of good things to come instead of true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifice that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. Listen, and by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all. Christ Jesus comes to establish and play out God's redemptive plan. We know about Christ Jesus coming all from Genesis to Revelation. Every bit of the Old Testament, it points to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. The New Testament, the fulfillment of that prophecy, and Christ Jesus going and taking the place of mankind on the cross, defeating sin and death, 
after God's wrath is poured out on him in the place of mankind's sins. And then he resurrects to new life on the third day. Christ Jesus doing that there on the cross, he offered his body once and for all, making atonement for sin. So what does that mean? For anyone who would repent of their sin and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their heart that God has resurrected him from the grave, you shall be saved. Because of what Christ Jesus has done once and for all. So we look back at this. There's so much beauty in that. There's so much beauty in what we see here because all of this is being done here in Leviticus 1 and as we're going to see play out over the next weeks and months. All of this being done, but it all again is a representation to point to what is to come in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So church, I ask you today, where do you stand in light of all of this? Where do you stand in light of all of it? Do you hear these words and you're a Christ follower and you say, okay, I get it. I need to be living my life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God as my spiritual worship. But I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm up there doing that. Well, great. Today's the day that you start living that way. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. You can come before him and say, Father, I am not living my life in that way. I know that you have paid the price for my sin. And Lord, I confess to you I'm not, and I repent of that. And I want to live for you today and every day. And here's the good news. If that is the case for you, you heard Walter mention it at the beginning. There's a thing coming up this Saturday called Brotherhood. Women after God has their meetings. That's a great place where you can come and be taught the scriptures, be taught what it means to follow Jesus, and then learn more about being in a DNA group and being taught what it means to grow in the faith and have the church come alongside of you to do that. And the same is true for anyone in here or anybody watching online that does not have a relationship with Christ. I pray by, by God speaking today that you've heard that Christ Jesus has paid the price. And you've heard that it takes repentance of sins, confessing Christ Jesus as Lord, and knowing, believing in your heart that God has resurrected him from the grave, then you are saved. And if today is a day of salvation for you, then praise God, please tell us. Because we want to come alongside of you and teach you what it means to be a follower of Christ. Or maybe you have questions. I, I don't know that today is a day of salvation for you, Brian. I, this is the first time I'm hearing this stuff. I'm, I'm confused. I, I want to understand. You're talking about entails being washed away on an altar. I still don't get it all. I'm not putting it all together. Guess what? You can let us know that, and we'll come alongside of you, and we'll point you to Christ. So if you're here physically and you need to do that, and you have questions or anything like that, please see me. Please see Pastor Walter afterwards. Be glad to talk with you and pray with you and, and teach you those things. If that's true for anybody that's watching online, you see it on your screen, homesavenue.com forward slash contact. Let us know. Because we're not here to play church. We're here to teach followers of Jesus Christ to be equipped to go on mission to tell the world about what Jesus has done and to make disciples. So right now, before the band comes forward, we're going to have a moment of quiet reflection. We do this every time after we finish the sermon. Because you just heard this crazy guy speak to you for 40 minutes. <laughs> There's a lot of things that you're probably processing and, and wondering about. Or maybe God is speaking to you right now. And you need to process that. So I'm going to ask you, just for a moment, let's have quiet reflection. 
Ask God, Lord, what is it that you are saying right now? And I'm going to pray for us in a moment. The band's going to come forward and lead us in a song. And if you need prayer while that song is taking place, come forward. Walking down a Baptist aisle doesn't save your soul. But it can surely help you get some prayer. And I can be glad to pray with you right now and talk with you about anything you need. Or we can do so afterwards. Maybe you've been coming to church for a little while and you've already talked with us some about what it means to be a member of the church and you want to move forward in that, you can do that during this time as well. Whatever it is, I'm here for you if you need something. But let's have that quiet reflection and then I'll pray and the band will come forward. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I come before you now thanking you, Lord, for your word. Thanking you, Lord, as always, that you are sovereign God over this world, sitting on your throne, reigning supreme for all days, for all eternity. I thank you, Lord, for the beauty of your word, Lord, even looking through the Old Testament, which can, for some of us, maybe be very uh, overwhelming because we're, we're not so used to studying the Old Testament or whatever it may be, Lord, but this, just to see, Lord, even in learning about sacrifices, knowing, Lord, that Christ Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Seeing that play out before our eyes and knowing, Lord, that it's all because of you that that took place. Although we sinned against you, Christ Jesus died for us. So gracious, so merciful. Father, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for every person that's listening right now within the sound of my voice, here in this building or online, or whatever your Holy Spirit is doing right now in this moment, and I pray that we would be obedient to that, that we would listen to what you are saying. And Lord, that we would step out in faith and trust you, Lord, and move forward in following after you, no matter what the cost. Lord, I pray during this time, God, that you would have your way. Lord, may you increase, may we decrease, may you get the glory during this time as we sing. We love you, Father, and we bless you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.